This is episode 346 of the AWS podcast, released on December 3rd, 2019. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. I'm Alicia here with you. Great to have you back and this is a very exciting week of episodes. This is the week of reInvent. Now this episode is an episode of two halves. The first half is going to be some of the brand new announcements straight from reInvent and the second half is going to be a bit of a catch-up of all the pre-announcements that took place in between my last update episode and reInvent. And there were quite a few so I don't want any to get lost in the rush. Let's get into what is new. Well, firstly, there is a brand new service helping our customers get familiar with quantum computing. This is a new service called Amazon Bracket. Now, quantum computing is quite a new field. And if you're not familiar with how quantum computers work, they work by manipulating the amplitudes of the state vector. So to program a quantum computer, you figure out how many qubits you need, you wire them together into a quantum circuit, then you run the circuit When you build the circuit, you set it up so that the correct answer is the most probable one and the rest are highly improbable. So if you think about a a typical computer that uses Boolean logic that we're all familiar with, we're using NOT, OR and AND gates. Quantum computers use what's called superposition and interference. And these are built using quantum logic gates with these new and exotic names, things like XYZ, CNOT, Hadamard, Toffoli, and so forth. So it's very uh, complicated and I do not pretend to be an expert on this, but I'm guessing that many customers are in the same boat where we're thinking, this is interesting, this is something we should probably get familiar with, but I don't really have access to a quantum computer. So there is a brand new service that we are previewing at the moment called Amazon Bracket. And this is designed to let you get some hands-on experience with qubits and quantum circuits. You can build and test your circuits in a simulated environment and then run them on an actual quantum computer. Now, Amazon Bracket is a fully managed AWS service with security and encryption baked in at each level. Now, you access it using a notebook-style interface, and uh, there is a fantastic blog post you can go through to get all the details, including some very cool photos of what these quantum computers look like. And I've got to tell you, there's a bit of a sort of steampunk element there for, for, uh, from a visual standpoint that makes them very cool as well. Now, obviously, this is a very young field, so we're also announcing the AWS Center for Quantum Computing. Now, this is located adjacent to the Caltech campus, and the goal is to really bring the world's top talent together in order to accelerate development. So we'll be researching technology that might one day enable quantum computers to be mass-produced, whilst also working to identify applications that are best solved on quantum computing. Now, these are both long-term challenges, and so it'll be interesting to watch this sort of how it pans out over the next decade or two. And finally, we're also announcing the Amazon Quantum Solutions Lab. Now, because this is such a new technology, the lab will allow you to tap into your own expertise and that of our consulting partners. And our goal is to really work together with customers to find practical uses and help you build your own bench of qualified quantum developers. There are also opportunities for uh, collaboration and research, etc. So this is a really exciting start to something very new and it's in everyone's hands. So this is in preview at the moment and we're very excited about it. The next new service that was announced is Amazon Transcribe Medical. Now, this is real-time automatic speech recognition for healthcare customers. Now, this is a very exciting domain because the medical field is something that affects us all globally and affects outcomes for all human beings. 
And what Amazon Transcribe Medical does is allows physicians to quickly and easily dictate their clinical notes and see their speech converted to accurate text in real time without any human intervention. Now, clinicians can use natural speech so they don't have to call out things like comma or full stop. And then the text is automatically fed into downstream applications such as electronic health record systems or other AWS language services like Amazon Comprehend Medical for entity extraction. And this is a fully managed service. You only pay for what you actually use. No upfront fees, no licenses, and it is also HIPAA eligible. From a technical standpoint, super easy to integrate. Basically, you're capturing audio using your device's microphone, and you send PCM audio to a streaming API based on WebSockets. The API will respond with a series of JSON blobs with the transcribed text, as well as word-level timestamps, punctuation, etc. And if you want to, you can save that into an S3 bucket. This is a very cool new capability that's currently available in US East, North Virginia and US West regions, and you'll see it roll out to other regions very, very soon. Now, something I love about reInvent Week is that we're always releasing things that customers have wanted because uh, 90 to 95% of our roadmap comes from customer feedback. So the latest new addition is something called the EC2 Image Builder. And this is really focused on automating your OS image build pipelines something that many of us have spent many, many an hour doing. And we know that it can be time-consuming, resource-intensive, error-prone, all those things that we try and avoid. So this new service makes it easier and faster to build and maintain secure OS images for Windows Server and Amazon Linux too. And it uses automated build pipelines. Now, the images that you create with EC2 Image Builder can be used with EC2 and on-premises, and they can be secured and hardened to help comply with applicable InfoSec regulations. Now, we also provide security hardening policies that you can use as a starting point to meet what's called the Security Technical Implementation Guide or the STIG. And I've always wanted to say that on the podcast. And this is a standard that's often needed to operate in regulated industries. Some would call it a standard. Some people just like to call it the STIG. And what this allows you to do is to essentially automate that entire end-to-end -end process, including testing of your baseline AMIs to make sure you always have the latest and greatest and secure version available to you. This makes it very, very easy. There's a great uh, interface to do this for you, or you can also do it obviously using um, uh, the API. It is a very powerful process and you can also schedule your build. You can schedule them manually, automatically, or even using chronic expressions. And the good news is, is this is available right now at no cost to customers and is available in all commercial AWS regions. You're charged only for the underlying AWS resources that are used to create, store, and share the images. Now, there was a really interesting announcement in the area of machine learning and music. Now, I'm not a musical person in and of myself. However, I have noticed a very strong correlation in the IT industry between people who enjoy IT and people who are very passionate and capable around music. So there's clearly a connection there. So something we've announced is the new AWS Deep Composer. This is the world's first machine learning enabled musical keyboard. That's right, it's a musical keyboard. So this is about providing a practical and accessible way to learn about machine learning. So if you think about some of the things we've introduced in the past, the AWS Deep Lens, which helps you learn about computer vision, the AWS Deep Racer, which helps you learn about reinforcement learning. Now, of course, we have the new Deep Composer. Now the AWS Deep Composer is a 32 key, two octave keyboard designed for developers to get hands-on with what's called generative AI, with either pre-trained models or your own. 
Now, you can register for interest for when this becomes available, or you can use a virtual keyboard in the AWS console. So you don't have to wait for the hardware to arrive, although the hardware is pretty cool. Uh, you can do it straight away on the console. And one of the many things this helps teach you is about generative adversarial networks, or GANs. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about the details of that. It's way too much for a short update podcast. But again, this is a way to learn about a different dimension of machine learning. So something ready to go that you can get your hands on right now. It's in preview. And a couple of announcements specifically for those of you who are running Microsoft Windows Server and SQL Server. So firstly, we're creating a new simplified bring your own license experience for Microsoft Windows Server and SQL Server. We understand that while customers like to use the uh, services that we have available where the instances include the particular license for Windows Server or SQL Server, often customers want to bring their own. Now, previously when bringing your own server-bound licenses, customers needed to write additional automation to manage capacity. They had to ensure effective utilization of the dedicated hosts that are required for bringing your own license. And it made the process uh, not very simple and easy, and that's not something we want for our customers. The new Bring Your Own License experience simplifies the host management experience for customers by automating the key host management tasks, such as allocation and release of hosts, managing host capacity, and enabling capacities such as auto-scaling and auto-recovery of hosts. So basically, you can simply create a BYOL instance on dedicated hosts the way you create any other EC2 instance. It makes your license management so much more easy and automated and avoid some of the complexity that you were having to deal with in the past. Now, the new BYOL experience is available for your eligible Windows Server and SQL licenses, or SQL Server licenses, I should say. And as a reminder, customers can also bring their own SQL Server licenses with active software assurance to the default shared tenant EC2 through license mobility benefits. Now, what this new experience does is gives our SQL Server customers another way to bring their existing licenses. Lots of information in the FAQ. Uh, this simplified experience is now available to customers in US East North Virginia and US West Oregon and will be available to other regions in the coming days. So it'll be out very, very soon. Something else customers have asked us for is help with their end of support migration for older versions of Windows Server. And that's because on January 14th, 2020, support for Windows Server 2008 and 2008 R2 will end. And my goodness, I remember when they were new, so uh, I really am getting old. And having an application that can run only on an unsupported version of Windows Server is going to be problematic because you won't get free security patch updates, you'll be vulnerable to security and compliance risks. And it's also difficult to move an application like this to the cloud without significant refactoring. So we're introducing AWS End of Support Migration Program for Windows Server, or EMP. And what this allows you to do is combine both a services-based approach with our partners, but also a set of technology that allows you to bundle up existing uh, 2008 servers into an image that will work on Windows Server 2016. So this new tool supports even your most complex applications, even ones with tight dependencies on older versions of the operating system, registries, libraries, and other files. It's some very nifty technology. And it will enable you to migrate applications running on Windows Server 2003, 2008, and 2008 R2. Now, this EMP technology decouples the applications from the underlying OS and it enables AWS partners or AWS professional services to migrate critical applications to a newer supported version of Windows Server on AWS. Now, the good news is this is available in all public AWS regions and GovCloud and the technology comes at no additional cost. So that was a summary of some of the more recent announcements. Now let's move on to a bit of catch-up mode on a whole bunch of announcements that happened in just the week before reInvent. 
Let's start with the topic of analytics. A few updates for Amazon Redshift. Firstly, it now has a preview support for materialized views. So this provides you with significantly faster query performance for repeated and predictable analytic workloads such as dashboarding, queries from BI tools or ETL type processing. Redshift also now supports elastic resize scheduling. Now, this is really useful because you can automatically resize clusters to accommodate changes in workloads that occur on a regular basis. So for example, you may automatically expand a cluster to accommodate a heavier workload during a, a batch process or some other heavy intense process and then shrink it down to accommodate lighter workloads at specific times of day. There's also now automatic table sort, which is an automated alternative to vacuum sort. So this provides you with an efficient and automated way to maintain sort order of the data in Redshift tables to continuously optimize query performance. So this is a complement to automatic vacuum delete and automatic analyze capabilities. Amazon Athena now has support for running SQL queries across relational, non-relational object and custom data sources. So this means you can make far more efficient use of your data and access things very, very easily. This is available in preview in the US East North Virginia region. So have a look at that. The Athena team has been very busy. They've also added support for UDFs or user-defined functions. So now you can perform custom processing like compressing and decompressing data, redacting sensitive data or applying customized decryption. There are also four new query-related metrics, query planning time, query queuing time, service processing time and total execution time so you can dive deep. And Athena now has support for invoking machine learning models in SQL queries. So you can use more than a dozen built-in machine learning algorithms that are provided by Amazon SageMaker. You can train your own models or find and subscribe to model packages from the AWS Marketplace and deploy it on Amazon SageMaker hosting services. So this makes it really easy to get super powerful analytic capabilities available within, within Athena. Again, it is available in preview in US East 1 North Virginia. And finally, there's a preview of Apache Hive Metastore as a metadata catalog with Amazon Athena. The Amazon EMR team have released the 6.0 beta 2 version, which supports Hive 3 with LLAP support, Scala 2.12 and Spark 2.44. And it also now allows you to run multiple steps in parallel, cancel running steps and integrate with AWS step functions. So this allows you to run even more parallelized, say that three times fast, uh, workloads on EMR. Amazon Neptune now supports full text search integration with Elasticsearch clusters. So this means you can use search indexing capabilities within an Elasticsearch cluster, such as provided by the Amazon Elasticsearch service with your graph data stored in Amazon Neptune. So this opens up a whole lot of new capabilities. Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose now has support for customer provider keys for server-side encryption. And AWS for FluentBit now supports Amazon Kinesis Data Streams. You can now add ML predictions using Amazon SageMaker models in Amazon QuickSight. So this is currently in preview in EU West Island, US East North Virginia and US East Ohio. And it really allows you to get greater insights into your reporting. You can now enable your Amazon Kinesis data analytics for Java applications to access resources in your VPC. So this is useful to use your, uh, for your streaming applications to read and write data from resources that reside inside those VPCs like Elasticsearch service clusters, RDS databases, Redshift, etc. And speaking of security, AWS Secrets Manager now makes it easier to rotate secrets through CloudFormation, including secrets for Redshift Cluster and Document DB databases. And also when handling streaming data, often you have errors and performance things you have to deal with. So AWS Lambda now supports failure handling features for Kinesis and DynamoDB event sources. 
So now you can do a variety of corrective actions, including bisect on function error, specify maximum record age, you can specify maximum retry attempts and also the destination on failure as well. Adibus Lambda also now supports parallelization factor for Kinesis and DynamoDB event sources, so you can specify the number of concurrent batches that Lambda pulls from a shard via this parallelization factor, which uh, is a default of one all the way up to 10. Uh, it doesn't go to 11, it just goes to 10, but you can control how fast you process records. Adibus Glue now enables you to bring your own JWC drivers to your Glue Spark ETL job, so if you have a need for a specific one, you can now bring it along yourself. And you can now run fully managed Apache Flink applications with Apache Kafka. AWS provides a fully managed service for Apache Flink through Amazon Kinesis Data Analytics, enabling you to quickly build and easily run sophisticated streaming applications. And finally, in analytics, Amazon QuickSight has launched themes, conditional formatting, and more. So now you can add customizations to match your corporate branding or application look and feel. So you can choose things like your preferred background, text, data, gradient colors, as well as spacing and borders of visuals, lots and lots of options. There's also some new conditional formatting for tables, pivot tables and KPI charts and other customizations, including synchronizing accesses on combo charts and a bunch of other new cool features. Moving on to application integration, we're happy to introduce the Amazon Event Bridge Schema Registry. This is now in preview. And the Amazon Event Bridge Schema Registry stores event structure or schema in a shared central location and maps these schemas to code for Java, Python, and TypeScript. So it's really easy to use events as objects in your code. Schemas from your event bus are automatically added to the registry when you turn on the schema discovery feature. And you can connect to and interact with the schema registry on the AWS console, APIs, or through the SDK toolkits for JetBrains including IntelliJ, PyCharm, WebStorm, Rider, and VS Code. This is one we'll go into a little bit more detail in a future episode. Quick update for business applications. The Amazon Chime Voice Connector now supports SIPREC, which is SIP-based media recording. So this makes it easy for you to build machine learning, analytics, and processing applications using real-time call audio from your on-premises phone systems whole bunch of interesting updates for compute. AWS Lambda now supports destinations for asynchronous invocations. I'm pretty excited about this one because it fits some things I'm building. It's a new feature that lets you gain visibility to asynchronous invocation result and route the result to an AWS service without writing code. That's the bit that I like. So today when you invoke a function asynchronously, Lambda sends the event to a queue and a separate process reads events from the queue and runs your function. When the event is added to the queue, Lambda returns a status code to acknowledge that the queue has received the event. However, you won't receive information confirming whether the event has been processed successfully or not. Now with destinations, you'll be able to send asynchronous function execution results to a destination resource without writing code. So a function execution result includes version, timestamp, request context, request payload, response context, and response payload. For each execution status, so success and failure, you can choose one destination from four options. Could be another Lambda function, an SNS topic, an SQS standard queue, or event bridge. Huge amounts of possibilities with this particular design pattern. Lambda's also added support for percentiles on Amazon CloudWatch metrics. As you know, I'm a big fan of percentiles. A percentile is a statistic which tells you the relative standing of a value in a data set. And this is really useful when applied to metrics that exhibit large variances. So this is now supported. In fact, you can enter a percentile of your choice in 0.1% increments. 
And Lambda also now supports maximum event age and maximum retry attempts for asynchronous invocations as well. So this relates to the update I've mentioned previously. You can now specify an event age, which will be uh, six hours by default. With maximum event age, you can configure the lifetime of an event in the queue from 60 seconds to six hours. So this helps you remove any unwanted events based on the event age. You can also specify maximum retry events as well. This can be a maximum from zero to two. And it gives you the option to continue processing new events with fewer or no retries. Really useful for poison pill situations and other interesting design things that go on. The AWS Serverless Application Repository has added verified author badges for application publishers. So now you can see the people who are publishing those um, applications in the repository and choose the ones you like and you can see them very easily. And AWS SAM CLI has simplified deploying serverless applications with single command deploy. The command is SAM deploy, and this will let you deploy much more quickly. Amazon ECS service events are now available as CloudWatch events. So now you can grab everything out of the Elastic Container Service as those events. And Amazon EC2 autoscaling application autoscaling and AWS autoscaling now support AWS Private Link. An update for EC2T instances, they now support unlimited mode at the AWS account level, so you can set your preference at an account basis rather than a particular set of instances. And an update I know a lot of uh, developers have been waiting for, AWS Elastic Beanstalk now has support for EC2 spot instances. So now you can add EC2 spot instances to your environment's capacity in both single instance and load balance environments. In the past it only supported on-demand and reserve, now you've got spot as well. Another quick update for Elastic Beanstalk, it has launched uh, um, Amazon Linux 2 Coretto Platforms Beta. So you can now run your Java applications on AWS Elastic Beanstalk using Coretto 8 on Amazon Linux 2 and Coretto 11 on Amazon Linux 2 Beta Platforms. And finally in Compute, Amazon EKS has increased the default limit to 100 clusters per region. That's up from the previous limit of 50. And you can of course submit an increase on top of that if you need to. An update for cost management, there is now AWS cost categories. You can now access AWS cost categories to map your cost and usage information to your unique internal business structure. So this lets users define category rules to map and categorize costs using billing dimensions like accounts and tags. So this gives you great more visibility into your environment. A couple of updates for customer engagement. Amazon Simple Email Service announces account level suppression list. This allows you to avoid sending emails to addresses that previously resulted in a bounce or a complaint event. You can use this feature to protect your sender reputation and to improve the delivery rates for your messaging. Now, unlike the global suppression list that's already included in SES, the new account level suppression only applies to your Amazon SES account. So you can query this suppression list as well as add and remove addresses from it manually. Amazon Connect now supports inbound and outbound audio with customer voice stream. So starting today, Customer Voice Stream enables you to stream all audio to and from your end customer in real time. And in addition to audio coming from the customer, a second stream includes the audio the customer hears, which might include agent speech or audio played as a prompt in a contact flow from an Amazon Lexbot. Let's move on to the topic of databases, and my goodness, there are a lot of updates in this space. Firstly, there is a new Amazon CloudWatch Contributor Insights for Amazon DynamoDB available in preview. This lets you identify frequently accessed keys and database traffic trends. So this is a new diagnostic tool that gives you that real at-a-glance view of the traffic trends for your DynamoDB table and helps you identify what's actually going on. You can now also encrypt your Amazon DynamoDB data by using your own encryption keys. 
In the past, you could encrypt all your data at rest with AWS-owned customer master key, uh, unless you opt to use a AWS customer managed key. Starting today, you can also use a customer managed customer master key, which means you can have full control over how you encrypt and manage the security in your DynamoDB data. Some updates for Aurora. Aurora supports in-place conversion to global database. So an Amazon Aurora global database is a single database that spans multiple AWS regions. This gives you low latency global reads and disaster recovery from region-wide outages. With today's launch, you can convert an existing single region Aurora database to a global one simply by adding another region to it. And typically you'll get a latency of less than one second to those secondary regions. Also, the global database now supports multiple secondary regions. In fact, you can have as many as five secondary regions as part of your global cluster. And Aurora Global Database is also now supported on Amazon Aurora MySQL 5.7. Amazon Aurora MySQL 5.7 also now supports zero downtime patching, ZDP, which attempts to preserve client connections through an engine patch. This is now supported on uh, Aurora MySQL engine release 2.07 and above. And when it executes successfully, application sessions are preserved and the database engine restarts whilst patching. More information in the doco. Aurora now also supports machine learning directly from the database. So now you can add machine learning based predictions to your applications using a simple, optimized and secure integration with Amazon SageMaker and Amazon Comprehend. It's based on the familiar SQL programming language, so don't have to build custom integrations or anything else you just call out to the particular services. Update for Amazon Aurora with Postgres compatibility now supports Postgres 11.4. And the MySQL compatible edition of Amazon Aurora has now added support for new instance sizes. This includes the DBR58XL, 16XL and 24XL instance types. These R5 instances are based on the EC2 Nitro system and are a combination of dedicated hardware and a lightweight hypervisor that delivers practically all the compute and memory resources of the host hardware to your database instance. The RDS Data API client library now supports Java in preview. So if you want to develop in that particular uh, language, you can do it quickly and easily. Now the Data API client library makes it easy to build applications with the RDS Data API, providing support for data type translation and object mapping. This is really useful if you wanna reduce the complexity of data type handling and write less code when invoking that Data API. Amazon RDS for Oracle now supports to manage disaster recovery and data proximity with cross-region read replicas. And RDS for Postgres now supports minor versions 11.5 and 10.10. It also provides the transportable database feature in Amazon RDS for AWS GovCloud regions. You can now publish log files from Amazon RDS for SQL Server to Amazon CloudWatch, so you can unify your viewing of what's going on in your environment. And SQL Server now also supports, or RDS for SQL Server, I should say, now supports X1 and X1e instance types. These are part of the memory optimized instance family designed for running large scale and in-memory applications. These offer up to 1,952 gig of memory and the X1e offers up to 3,904 gig of memory. Amazon RDS for SQL Server also adds high availability support in some additional AWS regions. And Amazon RDS Performance Insights now supports SQL level metrics on Amazon RDS for Oracle. So you can get more information about the performance of your database. Moving on to developer tools. There is now a beta of the cloud debugging for debugging your applications running in the cloud with the JetBrains IDE. So the AWS toolkit for IntelliJ, PyCharm, Rider and WebStorm now supports cloud debugging, which lets you debug your cloud applications by directly accessing code running in the cloud. 
AWS CodeBuild now adds support for test reporting. This is also in beta, which gives you an effective and consistent view of your test executions in CodeBuild. So this lets you visualize it, making it easy to troubleshoot what's going on. The AWS Toolkit for Visual Studio Code now has a new CDK Explorer, which is available in Preview. This allows developers to visualize CDK applications. And speaking of the CDK, the AWS Cloud Development Kit, it is now generally available in Java and C Sharp. And AWS X-Ray has launched support for Amazon CloudWatch Synthetic Canaries. Now this is in Preview. And this enables developers and DevOps engineers to trace end-to-end -end requests for canaries that monitor web applications, endpoints, and URLs. Now, Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics is a fully managed synthetic monitoring service that enables you to monitor your endpoints and URLs using configurable scripts called canaries that run 24-7. So this allows you to see what's going on in your environment before bad stuff really starts to happen. Now, this is available in all regions where Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics are available. So this includes North Virginia, Ohio, and Ireland, and will be available in more soon. Moving on to the topic of end-user computing, introducing the Amazon Workspaces Streaming Protocol, or WSP, in beta. This is a cloud-native streaming protocol that enables a consistent user experience when accessing your workspace across global distances and, in particular, unreliable networks. It also enables additional features such as bi-directional video. So this gives you great performance improvements and is currently available in beta in North Virginia, Oregon, Ireland, and Tokyo regions. Amazon Workspaces also introduces Workspaces 3.0 client for Linux. So this is supporting Ubuntu Linux 18.4 and it also contains some new enhancements including friendly naming for registration codes and a new UI. Application autoscaling now supports target tracking for AppStream 2.0 fleets and Amazon Workspaces public APIs are now supported on AWS PrivateLink. Moving on to the Internet of Things, there are five new features and updated pricing for AWS IoT SiteWise. First, you can now collect data using MQTT or a REST API and store it in a time series data store. Second, you can create virtual representations of models of your industrial facilities which can span a hierarchy of hundreds or thousands of assets. Third, you can create transfer transforms, I should say, and compute metrics over your existing equipment using a built-in library of mathematical and statistical operators. Fourth, you can now publish a live data stream from within IoT SiteWise. And fifth, you can use the SiteWise Monitor feature to create a fully managed web application that provides enterprise users visibility into equipment data stored in IoT SiteWise. And finally, the pricing has been updated to make it easier and more effective. AWS IoT Greengrass 1.10 provides support for docking containers and management of data streams. And IoT Device Management introduces secure tunneling, which is a new secure way to troubleshoot IoT devices, which is very handy when stuff is going wrong. AWS IT Core now has the ability to deliver messages directly to your own web services via the HTTP action. So this is done by providing the HTTPS endpoint of your web service and after validating your ownership of the endpoint, AWS IT Core will deliver the data via HTTP POST method. IT Core also now makes it easy to onboard large volumes of manufactured devices at scale. This is called fleet provisioning. And it's really designed for large volumes of manufactured devices like vacuum cleaners or construction excavators, etc. And this makes the process uh, of uniquely configuring and connecting these IT devices to the cloud very, very simple. There's a new Alexa voice service integration for AWS IoT Core. And this integration enables Alexa voice to be produced on any type of connected device. So this AVS integration for IoT Core reduces the cost of producing Alexa built-in devices by up to 50% by offloading compute and memory intensive audio workloads to the cloud. 
With this reduction in production cost, customers can now cost-effectively build new categories of differentiated voice-enabled products such as light switches, thermostats and small appliances and allows consumers to talk directly to Alexa in new parts of the home, office or hotel rooms in a truly ambient experience. AWS IT Core now also makes it easy to transition from self-managed to fully managed IT services with minimal impact on existing application architectures to make it much more easy to transition across into a fully managed environment. The AWS IoT Device Defender has added four new checks for its audit capability and the IoT Device Tester is now at version 2.2.0 for IoT Greengrass to include additional tests and the support for Docker containers. Moving on to the topic of machine learning. AWS DeepRacer expands with more ways to participate, more things to learn and more ways to win. So starting today, developers can take on their next machine learning challenge using AWS Deep Eraser with the launch of multi-car racing and object avoidance capabilities in the AWS Deep Eraser console. You can now build models for object avoidance and dual car head-to-head races by experimenting with multiple sensor inputs within the latest reinforcement learning algorithms and neural network configurations. You can also build reinforcement learning models ready to deploy to the new AWS Deep Eraser Evo in the 2020 season of the Deep Eraser League. Now, this means you can start by adding stereo camera and LiDAR sensors to your virtual car and have access to a whole lot of new ways to learn. We're also introducing Amazon SageMaker operators for Kubernetes. This makes it easy for developers and data scientists using Kubernetes to train, tune and deploy machine learning models in Amazon SageMaker. So with Amazon SageMaker operators for Kubernetes, customers can invoke SageMaker using the Kubernetes API or Kubernetes tools such as Kube Control to create and interact with their ML jobs in SageMaker. This gives Kubernetes customers the portability and standardization benefits of Kubernetes and EKS, along with the benefits of a fully managed ML service on Amazon SageMaker. Amazon Elastic Inference now supports a resource tagging. You should always tag your stuff, so this lets you do that very easily. And you can now add ML predictions using Amazon SageMaker models in Amazon QuickSight. As I mentioned in the earlier analytics section, you can now integrate those two capabilities. Amazon Transcribe now adds support for 22 more languages and variants, including Afrikaans, Albanian, Amharic, uh, Azerbaijani, Bengali, Bosnian, Bulgarian, Croatian, Dari, Estonian, Canadian, French, Georgian, Hausa, Latvian, Pashto, Serbian, Slovak, Slovenian, Somali, Swahili, Tagalog, and Tamil. So now there are 54 languages supported. An update for Amazon Comprehend it now launched real-time custom classification. So you can use the real-time custom classification to understand label and route information based on your own business rules in real time. So for example, you could instantly categorize the content of support requests and route them to the proper support team. Update for Amazon Forecast, you can now support generating predictions in any quantile. So you can support anything between 1% and 99%, including the mean forecast. In the past, there were default quantities of... Uh, quantiles I should say of 10%, 50%, 90%, now you can be much more open in terms of the percentages you use. And Amazon Polly has launched conversational speaking style voices. This speaking style was developed with the latest neural text-to-speech technology and the voices were designed to sound natural, friendly and approachable in a dialogue. This can be used with the US English voices Matthew and Joanna and this is the second speaking style launched by Polly. Uh, This follows the release of the newscaster speaking style in US English in July 2019. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. And we are now launching tag policies. And this is a new feature that allows you to define rules on how tags can be used on AWS resources in your accounts in AWS organizations. So you can use tag policies to easily adopt a standardized approach for tagging all AWS resources across your environment. This is super powerful for that consistent view across your organization. 
AWS License Manager now allows administrators to automate discovery of existing software licenses. So this is really useful for tracking those BYOL situations. The AWS Managed Services Service, AMS, now supports AWS CloudFormation Stack Update and also supports Windows 2019. CloudWatch Application Insights for .NET and SQL Server now support Windows Performance Counters, SQL Server on Linux, and many, many more. So you now get way more observability into your .NET and SQL Server-based applications. The AWS Chatbot now supports running commands from Slack. This is in beta. So you can run your AWS commands directly from Slack and uh, make changes based upon what you're seeing in your environment. Amazon CloudWatch now includes Contributor Insights. This is in preview. And uh, this analyzes time series data to provide a view of the top contributors influencing system performance. Once set up, Contributor Insights runs continuously without needing additional user intervention. Now, this helps developers and operators more quickly isolate, diagnose and remediate issues during an operational event. This is really about what's causing the problem. This helps you understand it much more quickly. You can now simplify application configuration with AWS App Config. This is a new capability within AWS Systems Manager that makes it easy to roll out application configurations across applications hosted on EC2 instances, containers, lambdas, mobile apps, IoT devices, and on-premises servers in a validated, controlled, and monitored way. So you have now have the ability to manage configuration changes similar to the way you manage code, but without the need for deploying code or taking your application out of service when a configuration value changes. So this can mitigate the risk of potential outages. AWS App Config provides you with the ability to validate your application's configuration data against a schema or Lambda function that will run against the configuration. Adding this validation logic to your application configurations lets you ensure your configuration data is syntactically and semantically correct before making it available to your application. This helps ensure the configuration being deployed meets the expected results. The deployment proceeds only if the validation is successful. As I mentioned earlier on in the program, Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics is now in preview. This allows you to monitor application endpoints more easily. This now also collects canary traffic, which can continually verify your customer experience even when you don't have customer traffic on your applications. So this lets you discover issues before your customers do, which is kind of what you want. Grafana Labs and AWS have added optimizations and new features to Amazon CloudWatch data source. So this is with the latest release of Grafana versus 6.5.0 or later. You can use the updated data source to more efficiently query and visualize CloudWatch metrics. AWS Service Catalog has added the high reliability architectures to the Getting Started library. This new portfolio contains seven blueprints for building high reliability applications on AWS. And you can now access your AWS regions faster using the AWS Management Console because you can find your favorite ones by the code name, not just by its region name. So if you prefer talking about things like US East 1 or AP Southeast 2, which is kind of the way I do things, it is now on the console. Moving on to media services, statistical multiplexing called Statmux is now available with AWS Elemental Media Live. And 8K resolution encoding is now available with AWS Elemental Media Convert. My goodness, 8K, that would be sensational. Onto the topic of mobile, Amplify CLI now has a new GraphQL transform feature for orchestrating multiple AI ML use cases. This makes it much easier to integrate those capabilities using a new predictions directive in the query field. And the Amplify console now provides visibility into backend environments provisioned by the Amplify CLI. Moving on to networking and content delivery, Amazon VPC traffic mirroring now supports Amazon CloudWatch metrics. Amazon CloudFront now has 10 new edge locations, including its first edge location in Rome, Italy. 
I must plan a personal trip <laughs> to make sure that's working well. And uh, of course, uh, if you're following uh, our update shows, uh, Nikki Stone will only travel to cities that have edge locations. So this has expanded her travel points. Uh, it is uh, now uh, available in Rome, Italy, two additional edge locations in Milan, Italy. And there are also additional edge locations in Kuala Lumpur, Mumbai, Singapore, Sydney, Philadelphia, Newark, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Hillsborough. So there are now 210 points of presence in 78 cities across 37 countries. Shared VPC now supports Network Load Balancer. Great update for the application Load Balancer. It now supports least outstanding requests algorithm for load balancing requests. This is in addition to the round robin algorithm that it already supports. So you can choose which algorithm you want to use based upon your workload needs. So if you opt to use the least outstanding request algorithm to request within a target group, basically as the new request comes in, the load balancer will send it to the target with the least number of outstanding requests. Targets processing long-standing requests or having lower processing capabilities is not burdened with more requests and the load is more evenly spaced across the targets. Adipus App Mesh controllers for Kubernetes are now available as Helm charts and inter-region VPC peering now supports IPv6 traffic. Some updates in the security, identity and compliance space. AWS Key Management Service, KMS, now supports asymmetric keys. So this lets you create and use asymmetric customer master key CMKs and data key pairs. With this feature, you can perform digital signing operations using RSA and elliptic curve keys. You can also perform public key encryption operation using RSA keys. The public portion of the key pairs can be used outside of the service and you can share public keys with your customers and partners so they can encrypt data or verify signatures without making a request to AWS KMS. You now manage access to AWS centrally for Azure AD users with AWS single sign-on. And you can also now improve the security between AWS applications and your self-managed Active Directory with secure LDAP using AWS managed Microsoft AD. Another way to improve simplicity of uh, managing distributed permissions is you can now use employee attributes from your corporate directory for access control in combination with Amazon Identity and Access Management or IAM. Amazon Cognito now supports account recovery method prioritization. So you can now choose the flow that users experience when they forget their passwords. You can specify if they prefer to receive a recovery code via SMS or email or whether they'd like to fall back to SMS or email if a verified phone number or email address is not available. There are some new partner integrations available for AWS Security Hub. It now supports integration with Aqua Security Cloud Native Security Platform, Attack IQ Platform, Big ID Enterprise, Captive Solutions, C2VS, Kavionics, Risks Foresight, and Disrupt Ops are all now available. And finally, in this topic, we're introducing AWS Managed Rules for AWS WAF. This is the AWS Managed Rules or AMRs, which is a set of AWS WAF rules created and curated, I should say, and maintained by AWS Threat Research Team. So with just a few clicks, you can use them to protect your web applications from new and emerging threats. And this means you don't have to write your own rules. Now, these AMRs are based on common internet threats, including security risks referenced in the OWASP top 10 publication. AMRs also include IP reputation lists based on Amazon threat intelligence that can help you reduce your exposure to bot traffic. And the final topic today is storage. Not much to share beyond all the other stuff I shared in the special storage episode, but Data Lifecycle Manager now supports time-based retention policies. So you can now set snapshot retention periods in the following interval values, including days, weeks, months, and even years. These time-based retention policies make it easy to adhere to your compliance regulations, which means you may have to specify backups being, being maintained for a particular period of time. 
So that was a summary of all the stuff that's been happening. I'm really excited for the next few shows, which will cover, of course, all the keynote announcements and other cool stuff. So do take a listen. There'll be uh, updates every day. And until next time, keep on building.